Blog Talk Radio.
of my friends, the opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. That's spelled S-A-V-A-E. It's a great CD, and if uh, you want to get it, you can actually find it on Amazon. You can listen to it for free on uh, YouTube, and you can also find their their CDs and other music and uh, a list of where they're going to be showing live music. It's uh, org, And they also are on Facebook, so if you want to find them, they're quite an unusual mix of uh, Gregorian chants and Native American music. So I think you really, really love it. Anyway, I'm I'm your host, uh, Reverend Sharon McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to provide an open-minded platform that focuses on the tenet that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus and meditation and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all the Bible readings I read is out of the Ryrie Study Bible. And, of course, you may use any Bible you wish. Um, I've had many spiritual experiences, and I really thank God for that. And in gratitude, uh, I have just started Bible readings every Sunday, and uh, it just focuses on just keeping just a few minutes a day at least uh, spiritually focused. And... um, we are actually airing every Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you can also listen anytime you want in archives because we're going through uh, the Holy Gospels. And let's do our opening prayer this morning. Let's say together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide, and their freely worshipped and lives are in jeopardy. And we pray for all those suffering from violence here at home and abroad. And we pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes. And we also pray for those who have freedom from addiction of all kinds. It's a great struggle. And there's many free meetings uh, wherever you are and whatever where you are around the world. And there's 12-step meetings, whether it be for alcoholism or addiction of any kind. Uh, just look up your local number for a meeting near you. And we ask, please, God, send your my Archangel Michael to fight against the evil and protect all the little ones and all your angels to watch over everybody. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals and who can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. We have many decisions to make, and we're praying for all the countries and for the problems of suffering all over the world, and also their leaders that they come to right decisions and right-minded thinking. We ask this in Jesus' name. We ask you to bless us, Jesus, to help us grow under your care and to learn whatever we have to learn while we're here on earth with you. We also send a prayer out to everyone in their family for these holiday seasons. If they're depressed, if they're lonely, you know, if they're having animosity between family members or other people, you know, the peace be with within each family and that they get the little happiness that they deserve and uh, find comfort in each other if they have little. 
And we also wish everyone a blessed New Year and prosperity to come. We ask Jesus to bless us. Bless us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to wish everybody a happy birthday today. And uh, if you have a special anniversary or a special accomplishment, we just wish you all the best. And uh, we want to let, let you know that we're we're proud of you. And God bless you. And may you have a very happy day on your special day. And uh, the, there's also, um, besides having your own Bible at home, there's online uh, Bibles. And one is at www.biblegateway.com. And the, another one is www.biblia.com. And I have used them for concordance purposes and things like that. And uh, I also use www.shmoop, S-H-M-O-O-P for my notes, smoop.com. And there are a bunch of college students that have gotten together and decided to take a take a look at all the, uh, the chapters in the Bible and other things. It's very interesting. So, you know, last week we were actually on chapter 25, and um, we're in Acts. And we're actually making our way so so <laughs> persistently through Acts that we're actually just two, 26, 27... Let me see, 28. I think we're just down to the last two chapters and acts before we get to Romans. So it's kind of incredible since we started with the first gospel in Matthew. Anyway, so let's, uh, let's I'm going to read the notes from last time as we were in uh, chapter 25. Uh, it was about, um, uh, you know, Paul's still out there on his mission. And uh, Festus uh, has been helping him to, like, take a little trip to Jerusalem. And uh, they were actually, uh, the people there in Jerusalem really told him a lot of stuff about Paul and that Paul was wreaking havoc when he was in Jerusalem. As you know, Paul uh, is going out to spread the good word about Jesus, but he's not very well received. uh, And sometimes he is, but most of the time, no. And anyway, uh, the Roman bureaucracy has had Paul at this point in prison over two and a half years as uh, he has been thrown in there because they consider him uh, a troublemaker. And uh, he keeps saying he's a Roman citizen. And then we found out his heritage uh, is actually that he is an actual born Pharisee too. And uh, it's kind of incredible. So... Anyway, he's met up with uh, King Agrippa and his sister Bernice, whom is his uh, wife and lover, and uh, Paul does that have a, that against him, so Agrippa is kind of uh, guilty. So that's what happened in Chapter 5. So today we're reading Chapter 26, and uh, Paul goes has a defense before Agrippa. So if you can all turn your Bibles to Chapter 26 in Acts, and we're going to read that, and... Um, I'll give you a second to get to your Bible. Okay. So Paul's defense before Agrippa. Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and proceeded to make his defense. In regard to all the things which I'm accused of by the Jews, I consider myself fortunate, King Agrippa, that I am about to make my defense before you today especially because you are an expert in all customs and questions among the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So then, all the Jews know my manner of life from my youth up. 
which is the beginning was spent among my own nation at Jerusalem. Since they have known about me for a long time, if they are willing to testify that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion, and now I am standing trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, the promise to which our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly serve God night and day. And for this hope, O King, I am being accused by the Jews. Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? So then I thought to myself that if I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus, let me do that again. So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And just then this is just what I had did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prison, so now he's talking about his former life as Saul. So not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. While so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw the way of a light of heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. 16. But get up and stand on your feet, for this purpose I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness not only to the things that you have seen, but also the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by the faith in me. So, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those in Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. So having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying both to small and great stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, and that the Christ was to suffer, and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light, both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. While Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I utter the words of sober truth. For the king knows about these matters, and I speak to him also with confidence, since I persuaded that none of these things escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. Agrippa replied to Paul, 
In a short time, you will be persuade me to become a Christian. Isn't that amazing? And Paul said, I would wish to God that whether in a short or long time, not only you, but also all who hear me this day, might become such as I am, except for the, these chains. The king stood up, and the governor and Bernice, and those who were sitting with him. And when they had gone aside, they began talking to one another, saying, This man is not doing anything worthy of death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Wow. Okay, so let's go back and read the notes. So we just finished 26, so let's read the notes. The 26. So I'm going down here. And the promise, it was started 26.6, and, and it's referred as the promise, and that's uh, the, the Messiah. 26.8, that Paul preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the heart of the complaint of the Jewish, Jewish authorities. And 26.10, I cast my vote does not necessarily mean that Paul was a member of the Sahedrin, but simply that he agreed with its action. That's when Paul was saying, yeah, I was one of you. And then 26, forced to blaspheme. He was forcing them to blaspheme against Christ, which would have not been blasphemy to the Jews. Okay, 26, 14, kicks against the gold. Golds, G-O-A-D-S. A Greek proverb for useless resistance. It is useless for Paul to persecute the church. He was only hurting himself. Golds were long wooden rods with a sharp point used to prod oxen plowing. So you can kick against it, and then you're only hurting yourself. Okay, in 26, 24, Paul, you're out of your mind. Festus is a Roman. Simply could not comprehend Paul's line of thought and language, particularly about the idea of resurrection. Agrippa, a Jew, had no such semantic problems. And then 26, 27, Paul's question placed Agrippa on the horns of a dilemma. If he said yes, then he would have to acknowledge Jesus as the fulfillment of the prophecies. To say no would have put him at odds with the Jews. Okay, so it takes 26, 28. The note is, in a short time, you will persuade me. This enigmatic statement may mean, in such a short time, you're trying to make a Christian of me, or, in so few words, you are persuading me to be a Christian. And then, we're, then we'll be doing 27 next week. And I did find, I, that's me, I have uh, actually, uh, in my hands here is, uh, I usually read a little guidepost, but what I've done is, is this, uh, I'm reading this month's uh, Angels on Earth magazine, and it really has some beautiful stories in it. So what I'm going to do is uh, just read a random story. I found a little title that looked good to me, and uh, then we'll be reading it in. Uh, let me find it here. It's a beautiful cover, too. It has all... Every every page of uh, this has a book... Uh, has, excuse me, a picture of an angel on it. And I'm going to just go to the story. There we go. So, Meant to Be. And this is Angels on Earth magazine. Okay. I Dreamed of a Little Girl and an Angel. This is by Molly Brown Pennington of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Was this a church? The high vaulted ceilings made it seem like one, almost, but not exactly. 
That's the way things often are in dreams. I was dreaming now deeply. A woman entered the room, and with her was a small child, a little girl with soft lavender footy jammas. She was barely a toddler, still a baby in many ways. Her brown hair was braided, and her big dark eyes were beautiful. But it wasn't their beauty that struck me so much as the quiet courage I saw reflected in them as the child took a tentative step forward. To my knees, putting myself at her level. Don't be afraid, I thought. The little girl hesitated hesitated for a moment and clinging shyly to the woman. Then, as if making a decision, she opened her arms and toddled to me. My own arms were open and waiting to catch her. Her little body was soft and warm and right in my embrace, like she belonged with me. You're fine, I said as I rocked her gently. Everything's going to be just fine. I opened my eyes to the sound of my alarm clock. Beside me, my husband, Val, rolled over and got up. Elsewhere in the house, I could hear our sons, Dash 16 and Pinius 6. They were stirring. I climbed out of bed, and by the time the kids left for school, I started the breakfast dishes, and I barely remember the details of my dream. There was no surprise I was dreaming about children. After a lot of discussion, Val and I decided to adopt a baby, a little girl, We'd agreed will be filled out as we filled out the application. A little older than Phineas, so we would be in between the two, the two boys' ages. Josh was already a big, best big brother anyone could ever ask for, and Phineas was friendly as silly as in kindergarten. We did laundry and yard work together, came up with family projects, and even had regular family art days in our craft room where Dash made duct tape wallets and Val sketched and Phineas and I painted. There were plenty of room for one more in our family. We filled our piles with paperwork and underwent background checks, took classes on how to care for a child from a foster care who potentially been hurt in the past, neglected surely. I soaked up the dishes and thought about our daughter. I'd never met her. I'd only seen her in a photograph, a grainy photograph that barely captured her features. She was 18 months old, younger than we had planned. Can we handle a baby? Val asked when the caseworker first told us about Dari. Diapers? No night feedings? He was right, but we decided to go to the interview anyway. She's been without parents since birth, the caseworker explained when we got to her office. She's in foster care now, but she needs a forever home. Despite our misgivings, we applied to adopt Dari. And now we just had to wait. I dried the dishes and went upstairs to the nursery we'd fixed for her. We refinished furniture, hung new curtains, and Val painted a mural on the wall. I was excited to think about her coming to live here, but nervous too. Once the agency decided to move Dari out of foster care, we'd have a transitional period. We would meet Dari and know her slowly. She'd spend the night with us occasionally until she felt at home. I mean, there were four of us and only one of her. We'll leave that transition as part as she will, she, I thought. As eager as we were to welcome Dari, it was scary, too. With all my mixed emotions, I was thankful for the wait and for the process. I wanted everything to be perfect for Dari. The phone rang. It was Dari's caseworker. There won't be time for transition. Your family is getting your baby today. Today, we weren't ready. How could Dari be ready? The agency decided to take her out of foster care immediately. 
the caseworker said, for her own safety, I'm going to pick her up now. We'll be there in about an hour. The situation must have been dire. I hung up with the caseworker and called Val. I'll come home, he said. Should I pick up the boys? No time for that, I said. Val's commute was a long one. I called Dash to on his cell. I'll get Phineas at school and be right home, he said. Don't worry, Mom, I got this. How can you be so calm? My heart pounded in my chest and my hands shook. I wanted to hide under the bed. I wasn't ready to meet my new daughter. What if she didn't like me? What if she didn't like her room? And what if we were the wrong parents for her? What if she belonged to another family instead? Oh, God, I need to know what we're, we're doing the right thing. I ran around the house in a panic until the boys came home. And Dash was grinning ear to ear. Phineas jumped up with excitement. Five minutes later, Val arrived. Is she here yet? He asked breathlessly. You made it just in time. The four of us gathered in the foyer together, and everybody be calm, he said. We don't want to scare her. He was talking to the boys, but I was the one who needed calming. Then came the knock at the door. Phineas pulled it open. The caseworker carried the girl with dark braided hair into the living room. Her brothers introduced themselves gently, and I took a seat on the floor. Dari looked around at us, blinking her dark brown eyes, and she seemed to make a decision. She crawled off the caseworker's lap, the seat of her lavender footy jammies, oh my God, landing softly on the floor, and her eyes met mine. With a jolt, I recognized the courage in them. That's my girl from my dream. I opened my arms and Dari toddled right to me in her familiar lavender footy jammies. Before I realized it, I was holding her, feeling how right this baby felt in my arms, a feeling that wasn't new to me at all. You are fine, I said to myself. I whispered to her, too. Everything's going to be fine. They were the same words from my dream, the ones an angel had spoken to reassure me. I knew Dari was just where she belonged. All of us were, because, ready or not, we were a family. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I don't know. It really touched me. Anyway, uh, I would just really advise you to get this magazine. Let me let me give you the, uh, it's called Angels on Earth. And I think they have angelsonearth.org. And uh, let me look and see if there's an address in a way. Yes, it's Angels on Earth, P.O. Box 5812, Harlan, Iowa. And the, the zip is 51593. Dash three three one two, and uh, also you can contact me because I could send it in for you uh, if you want to give me your address and everything because they have those little cards at the back. But um, it's only eighteen dollars a year. Uh, beautiful little magazine and, and lots of art, art and illustration. And um, you know that's it for today. Just uh, wow, that was amazing. Anyway, so we're going to carry on next week to. Uh, to chapter 27, and that will be our next to the last chapter in Acts, and then we move on to Romans. We've learned a lot of lessons today, and uh, kind of amazing. So, you know, in um, 